Welcome to Detour to Neverland, where you are the author of your own Disney story. There's a lot of satisfaction in developing ideas into realities. And you can find magic in your everyday life. If you do what you really want to do, you feel like you're playing. How can you write your first chapter today? Dreams are how we figure out where we want to go. Life is how we get there. I'm headed this way. We're your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 266. We are so happy to have you join us here today for a little bit of a different type of episode. Escapism has kind of been at the heart of Detour to Neverland from the very beginning. I mean, if you really think about the title... Detour to Neverland is all about escapism, just a different way of saying it. And so we thought it would be a good time to do just kind of a check-in of talking about what escapism means to us right now. Obviously, Disney is a major tool that we use for escapism and to just talk through some of those things that are meaningful for us. We have a lot of new listeners recently. Last month was our best month of all time for Detour to Neverland as far as growth. So I think this is a good way for you to get to know us a little bit better, get to know a little bit more of the behind the scenes theming of how we like to build this show up and kind of our overarching goal for what we're trying to achieve. So we, as you can probably tell in a lot of our episodes, they're very structured. We have sections and believe it or not, we have notes. Talking points. And and this episode It's really just Catherine and I, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk through some of these things. And so we hope it's enjoyable. Longtime listeners will know we've done this in the past more often where we just kind of do a check-in and talk about how we're feeling and, you know, just create this space where we can have these more meaningful conversations as it still pertains to Disney, but also on a little bit of a broader scale as well. Yeah. So when we talk about escapism... It's kind of at the heart of everything that we think about when we, you know, see ourselves going to Disney. You know, it's that form of escaping reality, leaving whatever kind of troubles or anxieties or whatever it might be that you have aside, kind of leaving that there. And when you go to Disney, it's a happy, freeing place where, you know, leaving all those things behind, it kind of allows us that creative outlet. It allows us to be more focused on the storytelling and, you know, the history and all the things that we really love about Disney. And that's kind of how we tie it all together. Yeah. And so, you know, I think we also want to have a discussion at the end of this, just talking about spring as such a season of growth and a season of new life. And so we want to have a discussion about, you know, if you are looking to jump into social media, you're looking to express yourself in a new project, just some of the tips or some of our thoughts on how this past year has gone. This past year and specifically, you know. Since June. Well, since June, but I would say even more specifically, the fall and the winter have been our craziest growth that we've ever seen. And I think we'll continue to have more thoughts on how this all plays out and what this means to us and and how we can interpret that to other people. But of course, that was a big theme of Detour to Neverland for a very long time. 
if you go back and listen to episode, I can't remember if I named it episode zero or episode one, you know, that's where my story begins is that I was leading this life that I thought was the life that I was supposed to do. You know, I went to school for six years, got out, got the nine to five, but I showed up 30 minutes early and stayed an hour late and I took the shortest lunch break that I possibly could. And I realized that I needed this escapism and I needed these things in order really to lead me towards self-realization and self-discovery, which I didn't even know that at the time that that's what this was all about. But I think now looking back, I can see that that's where Detour was born is I was just trying to figure out more about myself. And I think we've done that and I think we're continuing to do that. But it's really interesting how you think you're leading down one path and you think you're, you know, you got it locked in and you really have an understanding of what's going on. But that's what escapism is to me, is now you go to Disney and you get to peel back those layers of anxiety, of depression, of worry or sadness or, you know, just the normal everyday stuff that we deal with. And you get to see like, hey, you know, now that I don't have this cloud of worry over me, I can see things so much clearer now. We've shared on the podcast in the past about how like every big life decision, there's been a Disney trip that kind of pushed us over the edge for those. So <laughs> both of the jobs that I quit, our move to Florida, all of those, the move to Florida maybe less so. We decided that in our kitchen back home, but I'll never forget that conversation but I'm sure Disney played a major role in that as well. We probably watched a Disney movie right before or something. Yeah, I'm sure there's some tie-in. But I think, you know, the more that I learn about myself and the more that I learn about what we're trying to achieve here, I really do think that's it. It's, it's really all in coming down to escapism and leading people to feel empowered enough to do the self-discovery that we've went through and that we're continuing to go through. Yeah. So, I mean, if you think about it in that way that you just described, you know, escapism, you could look at it in a lot of different ways. You know, it's also just that you're kind of escaping from your own boundaries that you've created for yourself. You know, we, it's still hard for us to view ourselves as any sort of like content creators, like as funny as that sounds, because we're 266 episodes into this, but like most times it's, just feels like we're talking to each other in our office because that's what we're doing right now. And, you know, so you kind of, you put yourself into these boxes, like I'm not creative or I'm not artistic or I, you know, nobody wants to hear what I have to say or no one, you know, X, Y, Z. And this idea of escapism, you know, and this freeing feeling that we get from just loving Disney or loving anything, you know, maybe you just love whatever content that you're making, you know, whatever it might be, that in itself is a form of escapism, just allowing yourself to kind of break that barrier. And it's kind of a subtle change that we made with Detour over time. And some of you have reached out to us about it to get, you know, just to bounce ideas off for us of, or to just talk through it. But obviously for a long time and for many, many episodes of Detour, we carried this torch of being very forward about you can create your project today. You can create your business. You can create your blog, your YouTube channel, 
whatever it might be. And we were very forward about that, both through our interviews and just through some of the other series that we've done in the past. And I still feel like that is exactly what we're doing. We're just going at it in a more subtle and less direct way. I really do feel like at the end of every episode, that's how I want people to feel is that, hey, this Disney storytelling stuff, all of this is up for interpretation. And all of this is personal to me. Someone else's experience on Haunted Mansion is completely different than my story on Haunted Mansion. You know, like, that's my platform. That's where I can start sharing this stuff. And hey, maybe other people have something similar. I can point out things that they've never noticed before. And so I'm really kind of excited and proud of the steps that we've taken. And I'm I'm very content with where the podcast is at right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely been an evolution. And even though, like you said, it might seem like a hard break, you know, a hard difference in where we started and what we're doing now, it is still very cohesive, at least to us, as far as we've always been telling stories. You know, we just started by telling other people's stories, you know, how they got into their project, their content, what they love about it, what, you know, what steps it took them to get there. And we're still doing the same thing. Now we're just talking about Disney rides, what steps, you know, took it, took that project to get to where it is, how people interpret it, you know, what we can learn from it, all of those good things. And on a more kind of literal sense, that's kind of in a metaphorical, metaphorical or like, you know, uh, overarching feeling about what we're trying to accomplish here. You know, I'm also not shy to just say that a lot of the, like the interview style episodes that we did, I... And it may just be be because we were in a small little bubble and we didn't look too much outside of ourselves. But I felt like we were one of the few people doing that at the very beginning. And that space grew and grew and grew. And eventually, I think you just have to look around and say, like, maybe I'm not the best interviewer. Or maybe not the best isn't the right word. But maybe, like, this isn't my calling. This isn't how I reach escapism. This isn't how... I'm going to impact and reach the most people is in this exact form. Maybe this is meant for other people, but I still have, you know, a new chapter to unfold. And that's how I feel like we kind of made that shift over to now. And I mean, it's just like anything else that you do and try, you know, there's some growth involved in just figuring out, okay, what are my absolute favorite parts about what we're doing, you know, and what, is going to keep us interested long-term. Where are we just like heading, I guess. And just being able to sit down and pivot, I think is pretty important in anything that you're doing. So let's bring it back and talk about Disney specifically. Like, let's just do a checkpoint or a pulse check, whatever you want to call it, about like, how are you feeling about what Disney is providing to you right now? Like what mental breaks is it giving you? Is it providing you inspiration, relief, something in between, everything across the board? I'm just curious because this is a conversation we haven't necessarily had one-on-one in quite some time. 
So in a way, this is still moving diary-esque, not quite, but it is our relationship with the parks. And, you know, I think the biggest thing that everyone always wonders about or worries about if you're taking the plunge down to Florida, especially to the Disney area, is are you still going to love the parks as much? Is it still going to bring you that same amount of joy or escapism and everything? And I will say that the relationship has changed just a little bit because the anticipation isn't there as much and almost like the desperation isn't there as much. And I I know that might sound a little crazy, but you know, if you're, you know, if we were still in Nashville at this point, you know, let's say, you know, at this point we probably wouldn't have come back to Disney in a while. You know, I guess your family made a big trip in God, what was that? January. January. Okay, so now it's April. We would probably be pretty desperate to come back. You know, that would be three months away from our happy place. So I will say being here, we don't feel that desperation, although we might be reaching it pretty close with Magic Kingdom right now. (laughs) I'm pretty desperate to go to Magic Kingdom. But, you know, that in itself, I feel like has changed, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think for me, it's um, whenever we used to travel down here and you'd walk through the gates at Magic Kingdom, and I'm just using that example, I think because you feel it the most there, Mm -hmm. potentially, at least you and I do, is that when you walk through the gates and you see the sign saying, here you leave the world of today, yada, 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 the rest that you read there, used to it felt like, let's say, for example, it was a 50-pound weight coming off of your back. Now it's maybe a 10 pound weight. You're still doing you, but you're doing it more often, but it's less of a relief each time that you're walking in, I think. Mm-hmm. And there's also different context for how we visit the parks. Whereas sometimes it's a, Hey, Catherine, we got this podcast episode coming out. Like we need some video to go along with this, or we need a picture to go along with this, or, Hey, you know, you have a shirt that we need to take a picture of for whatever reason. Whereas when we used to come, it's like, this is our magic kingdom day, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so it's a little bit different in that fact, but I still view it as, as this mechanism to pull away anxiety and sadness and worry. I mean, anxiety is the big one for me. So that's why I keep coming back to it is that, but I do think it maybe infiltrates just a little bit more than it used to because a couple things have changed in my life. I'm no longer like a clock in clock out worker. Now I'm fully remote making my own schedule. So in a sense, I always feel like I'm on the clock because I can get work calls basically at any time time and you've been very adamant with me that i need to take my email off of my phone i'm i'm a big proponent anyone this is your sign right now take that work email off of your phone i think it's terribly toxic that's my two cents but there's a little bit more infiltration that happens because when you're sitting in magic kingdom now i'm sitting there i'm thinking okay i need to stop at Publix on the way home I need to make sure I get back at this time to take the dogs outside, you know, X, Y, and Z. I need to send this email when I get home. 
And so it's just a little bit different. And so I think you have to almost go more often. You got to put a, <laughs> it's almost like a band aid over a band aid to continue doing that. But I also think the, you have to be extremely intentional with your time. You have to say, hey, those little spur of the moment, little hub grass sits that we used to have on our trips, now we have to like plan those. Let's just, like, we're going to Magic Kingdom, we're going to sit on the hub grass. We're going to go to Joffrey's, we're going to get our coffee, and we're going to sit in Tomorrowland for a little while. And those moments are still those moments of zen that we've always loved. They just don't happen as organically, I don't think, as I maybe would have expected being down here. Yeah, I mean, it is definitely different because, you know, the joke is as soon as you get on the plane, you know, and the glorious magical express would pick you up, you know, you had nothing to worry about, basically. Now, I still do have those moments where, like, I completely forget what day it is or, you know, what's going on or where we're supposed to be. So it's not like those moments are just gone, you know, and I still stop myself and have to say like, oh my gosh, this is a Tuesday night and I'm at Hollywood Studios. Like, what am I doing here? This is crazy in a good way. So there's definitely an interesting mix. It's not the completely freeing feeling But at the same time, it's hard to say that because it is extremely freeing to know like, okay, I'm going to go get my fix, (laughs) whatever, for Tuesday night. Maybe I can't come back until Friday. Like, how lucky am I to get to come back on Friday again? You know, I'm, I can do it. I'm going to make it through this work week. We might be testing and it might be crazy, but like, I'm looking forward to Friday. You know, and it gives you that little, instead of looking at it in, you know, three-month time periods, it makes it a little easier. So even though it's not a complete escape, it's almost like a constant form of escape. Like, we joke all the time now, not that this is true by any means, but we joke that we're, like, retired. We're always on retirement now. Not that that's, like, a healthy way (laughs) to think about things. But like, it's fun to kind of be like, okay, well, we're just going to, we're going to do our work and then we're going to go play. Yeah. I think it's going to be something that's really healthy for the podcast and for our storytelling abilities is to be able to go back to Disneyland as well and to travel other places at the same time and to continue to get those levels of escapism that we love to share here on the podcast. We love to you know, try to interpret to make other people, you know, have the tools and the knowledge or the inspiration, whatever it might be, to create those own moments of escapism for themselves as well. Again, all leading towards that self-development, self-realization type of work. But, you know, I think we have been so careful during this entire last over a year now, you know, and that travel itch is starting to become more and more apparent each and every day. And not that we're willing to put ourselves at risk or putting anybody else at risk, but it's getting to that point. It's like, okay, we need like the complete 
escapism that we've had in the past. Yeah, I completely agree. So I'm really excited. I think, you know, looking towards the future, I think there's a lot of things that we will do that will continue to enhance our storytelling skills that will hopefully translate over to the podcast. And we'll just see what else we get into. I think one of the big things that we have realized moving down here is that we can reach escapism through more than just Disney, which has been really good for us since it's there in our backyard all the time. Now we realize that, hey, Universal can sometimes scratch that itch, or we're going to travel to some of the national parks hopefully this summer, and then you know hopefully that will scratch an itch as well. And so I'm really excited for kind of what that will look like. Again, just in little spurts instead of like one big spurt, which is kind of the learning curve for us. So a topic that we, of course, covered for such a long time was talking about just some of our findings and some of our experiences in the effort of trying to help you guys. So maybe you are working on a project or maybe it's just something that maybe project is not even the right work. Maybe you want to start a journal that's just for you, or maybe you just want to go down this path of self-discovery that we are huge proponents of. And just some of the ways that we have found success and failure. I mean, the failures are probably more important than the successes, but just sort of some of our observations over these last couple of chapters, because we haven't done a check-in of this type in quite some time. So I'd say the first thing that has seemed to help us as far as in just making growth in just the kind of content that we put out, you know, and just not being scared to put out content is, you know, you obviously have to be proud of whatever you're doing or whatever you're trying to do. And you should be um, because, you know, like Brendan says a lot is, you know, we'll put tons of time and effort into like a particular video and then maybe it doesn't go the way that we want it to, you know, we're still proud of that video, but you also have to detach yourself from what you do. Does that make sense? is like you want to be proud of it and you want to put the time and effort into it, but you also have to kind of hype yourself up to know like once I release this out into the world, I do not have control over it anymore. So it might take off and people might love it. It might take off because people hate it (laughs) and they have lots of things to say about it. But at that point, like it's out of your control. So no matter how it's received, you know, it's, It's good to still love it and be proud of what you're doing. But, you know, that's something that's always been hard for us because we are both such like people pleasers and we always want to just make something that everyone likes. And, you know, sometimes we make things that we think everyone will like and it just doesn't happen that way. But instead of beating yourself up about it, you just kind of have to say on to the next thing and just see what happens again. And it's just like a constant... Like what I tell my kids in math is you're just constantly trying things until it works. And if it doesn't work, just try something again. Pick B instead of A and keep going. Well, you hear that very early on in social media. You know, if you look up Instagram tips number 101 or just social media in general, you know, you will see a lot of things saying you cannot try to receive validation through the feedback that you get 
on the stuff that you put out into the world. So you can't depend on likes, you can't depend on shares or comments or follows or anything like that to try to reach validation. I will be the first person to admit that I believed that when we first started. And I lived by that rule of that I'm going to post this because I love it and I don't care who else loves it. But in the back of my mind, I was so naive to think that, hey, but once this starts getting over 50 likes, hey, that's pretty cool, right? Once it gets over 100 likes, that's pretty cool, right? You keep setting, you keep moving the goalpost on yourself subconsciously. And I'm here to tell you, you're never going to be satisfied. (laughs) You are literally always going to look at something and say, well, that has 200 likes. Why doesn't it have 250? What did I do wrong? You know, well, if this person just would have shared it, then it would have reached that, you know, or did I not respond to this comment the right way? Or should I have written the caption a different way? You, it's, I think it's even more important as you continue to grow to further detach yourself from this stuff. And I always had this fallacy about that. Hey, once we hit this milestone, that's going to be so fulfilling, right? It's like, uh, actually I feel just the same, if not worse than I did before, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Because if you would have told us at the very, very beginning of this, and again, I don't say this to like, I don't know if it's big. I don't know if it's small, but if you would have, told us at the beginning of Detour, or like in those early stages when we were struggling to figure out what our identity was and what we we're going to create, if I would have said, hey, Catherine, in the year 2021, you're going to have 300,000 TikTok followers, you're going to have 11,000 Instagram followers, and the podcast is going to be about 10 times the size that it is at this moment, you would have said, probably, you're crazy. Are, <laughs> you're crazy. And when did we quit our jobs? You know? Like, that's awesome. But when you're here in this moment, you constantly just keep your eyes forward and you're thinking of, well, yeah, we're doing okay, but this person's doing better. Oh, and that podcast is bigger than us. And hey, these people are, you know, whatever it might be, you can, you fill in with any sort of imposter syndrome reasons to not feel great about it that you possibly can. And I wish I had a magic bullet to make those feelings go away, but it's crazy because whether people show it or not, every single creator feels like this. When you actually have real conversations with people, none of them are like, I made it. I'm awesome. I did it. (laughs) They're all, they're all looking at someone else and comparing themselves constantly and saying, yeah, I'm okay, but that guy, or that girl, they're just, I'll never be that level. And then fast forward six months, you probably have the exact same setup that they did. You're doing something better than they are, and it's more personalized to you. And then you've just moved your eyes to someone else. It's just a constant moving target that I wish our dumb human brains could get over. At the same time to say that that should not deter you from what you're doing. It's just, it's a freeing feeling more than anything, right? It's the ability to detach yourself from any of the meaningless stuff 
and you're truly doing it for you, which sounds so cliche, but it's not. So that was my tip. What would be your big tip or takeaway? I think it's, for me, it's just one of those things of that there is no template to get to where you want to go to. I'm a very structured person. I'm a very, like, give me the steps and I will do them. And I'll follow them and I'll even take it to step. You know, if you have 10 steps, I'll take it 12 steps. And I'll do it to the best of my ability. And this is something that there truly is no blueprint for. I've tried every single method out there that the gurus talk about. You know, you got the $1.80 method from Gary V. You've got all kinds of other tips and tricks on there that are supposed to be the magic thing to help you get to where you want to be. Is that a real person, Gary? Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk. That's real? Yeah. It sounded like he's something that you just made up. No. No, he's a real person. Oh, okay. Um, the dollar eighty rule is like his rule of on on engagement of how you're supposed to spend your time. And I've tried everything. We were in the engagement groups. We were in the, you know, everything that you could possibly try. And the only time that we started to see real traction and real interactions, which I think is the most important part of any of this, was truly when we just started to try things and whatever worked, we amplified them. But even in that sense, you what works today is maybe not going to work in three weeks or three months or three years. And so you constantly have to just be willing to try new things and accept that it could flop and it could not be what's going to be the tool that gets you to where you want to go. But it's one more thing that you can check off the list that you tried it. Maybe you can pick out some redeeming qualities of it, combine it with something else. And maybe then that's what gets you to where you want to go. But it's, I see so many people starting right now and this is a conversation we had a lot when we, you know, we're a year or two years into this. It's like we kind of came in with a wave of people. Which yeah. always happens. You with, know, it always seems like when you start a project, you know, other people who are starting with you because you join the groups together and you, you talk to each other. Yeah. You join the groups and hey, if you follow me, I'll follow you. And you start all these conversations. And it is super sad. But the majority of those people are no longer creating in the Disney community or in any community at all. They got burned out. They got discouraged, whatever it might be. And this is a, I don't want to use the word game because it's not a game. It's people's real lives. It's its your passion projects. It's something that you love. Perseverance wins every single time. I There's two things that come to mind. I read um, one time there was a tweet that just said, you know, every single content creator will get to where they want to be and get to a level of success that they're proud of if they just keep at it long enough. But 99% of people will quit too early before they figure it out because they'll try method A, it doesn't work, they'll try method B, it doesn't work, they'll try method C, it doesn't work, and then they give up. Well, what method are we on now? Oh my goodness. Z, we might be in numbers at this point. Or like double letters, just double it up. And so I think you have to be so willing to pivot 
And to, I can't even say pivot without thinking about friends. I know. Liz has ruined us. Darn you, Liz. Um, but you have to be so willing to change things. And this is kind of my secondary point of that. You're going to have to be willing to change things. But when you change them, you don't know when you first change things if it's going to be a personality fit for you. There's been lots of things that we've tried and have gotten the feedback that we wanted or needed to grow. And then we look at each other and it's like, this isn't right. And it's so tough to do something like that because it's, look at, look at this. Like this got way more likes than anything else, or this got way more downloads than anything else. But you have to have the self-awareness to say like, this is a quick fix not a permanent fix. This isn't sustainable. This isn't something that we're long-term interested in. And then eventually you keep chipping away at it and you can find that thing. Look, we still have some of those questions right now as of, you know, will this storytelling kick that we're on, will it last us forever? In this moment, I would say yes. But I also think you have to be open to the discussion of, we may wake up one day and think, this isn't doing it for me anymore. Well, and to be honest, when Brendan approached me with the idea, like it was super scary. My first instinct was to just say, no, we'll do interviews forever. We're good. Thanks. Because it was comfortable and we enjoyed it and we liked getting to know people and we had a groove. Like we knew, you know, okay, we're going to sit down tonight. We're going to have an interview. This, you know, this is what it's going to be about. Like, and it was pretty structured, which we like. Uh, storytelling is a little, a little less structured, obviously still structured, but it was different and I don't like different. And my first instinct was to say, nope, you know, but then we tried it and it, it stuck a little more. So, so many of you, and I love these conversations. They're probably the most valuable conversation that we ever have. It's my favorite sort of correspondence to have with other of you in the community of, Hey, like I have this idea, you know, can we talk through it a little bit? Or I'm thinking about starting a podcast or I'm thinking about starting a blog, whatever else. And I will be your biggest cheerleader. We both will be. I'm on Instagram more than Catherine. <laughs> He'll be the spokesperson for the cheerleaders. And I'm just using Instagram just because that's what we probably use the most. That's where we have the most conversations, mm -hmm. I guess. But, you know, Facebook as well, all these different mediums, you know, we will be your biggest cheerleaders. And a lot of times these people, you try one thing or you try two things, you try to switch it up, and then that's the end. And it goes away, you let the domain expire, and... It just kind of fizzles out. But there was a reason that you started. There was a reason that you had this first idea. And I have said this before, and I still fully believe it, that if you are not, if you have an idea and you're not sharing your voice, you are doing a disservice to your audience. Whether you have something that you're actively working on right now or not, you have a potential audience out there. Even if it's just one person who's going to relate to what you're saying, you are doing them a disservice by not sharing it with them. And 
look, before Detour, we had how many different things did we try? We tried a blog. We tried an affiliate marketing site, which that was a that, huge failure. Yeah, I don't know. Man, I forgot about that. Not really, but that was bad. We tried to create a hat shop. We kicked her out. And we oh my gosh, we bu- okay, so we bought, well, this is embarrassing, we bought an embroidery machine, we bought hats, we bought thread, we were trying to learn how to use this thing. We still have all of it, in case you're wondering, that we just can't part with. Um, because parting with it would be a, an admittance that it was a failure. And, and to what Brendan's been mentioning too, you know, it is hard when you start anything because, I mean, you're losing money. Right. Most of the time when you start something and you're putting time into anything, you know, and you're not making money, you could argue that you're losing money. Or if you invest in something like an embroidery machine and then never learn how to use it, you know, that's a loss. You're eventually like, okay, how many units do I have to sell to make this money back? Yeah. So it's hard, you know, and it's hard sometimes in those moments too not to get discouraged. Um, you know, and so we've been there too. But again, you know, like Brendan's saying, the end goal is to just find something that you're so passionate about that even if you're losing money, it's kind of worth it. <laughs> Which is our case. <laughs> so all of this is basically just to say is that, you know, we have talked in the past and in a lot of those early episodes, I talk about this avatar. And the avatar is really a reflection of my past self where I was completely burnt out. I was completely down to nothing of a personality because my job was consuming me in every aspect of my life. I mean, we couldn't enjoy anything. I'll never forget when we went to the Predators game and we got the you know, Slack message in the middle of it basically saying, you suck, why didn't you respond to this? Because it was like a weekend and I didn't follow up on a sales lead. Uh And it ruined the rest of our weekend. And that version of myself or that point in my life, like Disney podcasts were the only thing that were keeping me sane relatively. You might argue that I was not sane. Well, but it wasn't your fault. And so I was looking for the inspiration or the the means necessary to get myself out of that situation and to find a way to express this part of my life that I had suppressed and that I was interested in talking to other people pretty much constantly about this kind of stuff. And so that's what our avatar is based off of. When I say avatar, just like that's the hypothetical person that we are creating these episodes for. Not the movie. No, not the Navi. But if you are that person and you are hearing that and any of it resonates with you, I just think that's still our goal. Our goal is still to give you the knowledge, the inspiration, the power, the self-realization, whatever it might take to get you to that next chapter in your life that is a happier chapter or a more fulfilling chapter or whatever it might be. And that's, I just want to reiterate that more than anything, because that's truly what Detour is all about. 
And I hope that still shines through. So, Brennan, is that your piece of parting guidance to anyone who's listening? What is that? That's what we used to say at the end of our episodes. Oh, I don't even remember. Our piece of parting guidance? Yeah, for anyone who's interested in joining. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like our final question for our guests. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, um, there's so many opportunities for people. and, And now more than ever, now when probably so many of you are working from home full time, like you got an hour or more back in your day where you're not having to commute. Now, me as a podcaster, I have to figure out how to get back into your daily routine <laughs> because I know a lot of you used to listen in the car and you're spending less time in the car now. But what can you do that would both fulfill you and impact other people? And how can you use escapism, which I think is the ultimate commonality that all Disney fans have in common? All of us are looking for escapism. We're looking for something that will take the weight off when we walk through the gates. And so can you create something, both maybe just in your personal life or maybe you want to put out in the public, that will further contribute to that idea? So that's your action challenge for today. It is. Here's my question for you. Did any of this episode make sense? To me, it did. Okay. Because here we are, we're still talking to each other. This is just one of those like word vomit episodes where we have all these thoughts and we have like little snippets of these conversations in private off air. And I think it's good because you guys, as our, you know, as the listeners have been through it all with us, there are some of you, I will never understand why, who've listened to all 266 episodes of Detour to Neverland. And we will never be able to thank you enough for doing that. Or even if you've just listened to one episode. If this is your first episode, we're normally not as uh, <laughs> as deep and theoretical as this. But it's, um, I think we kind of owe it to you guys to always do these checkpoints as to where we are in life. Because we're not the people who put ourselves super out there on these other forms of social media. Behind the mic, sitting here, sitting across the desk from each other, that's where we're most comfortable. And so I I want to continue pushing ourselves to have those conversations here. Absolutely. Do you? These kind of, these episodes make you a little uncomfortable, don't they? Um, I think it's the lack of structure. I didn't even have bullet points today. I have nothing pulled up in front of me right now, no talking points. I'm just following our, you know, initial lead. And that does put me a little on edge. You know, teachers plan a lot. I know exactly what I'm going to say when I go to school. So this is a little off for me, but I enjoy it. And like you said, I think it's a, a worthy conversation and something that we can all listen to more than once. Like it's a good reminder in everything that we do. And I think it's super appropriate for spring. Because I don't know how anybody's is feeling. I'm super pumped up for spring and for summer. I think this is going to be a good breakout season for a lot of people. So on that note, before we end it, you know what we should do, Brendan? What's that? Fast pass around. Do you have any fast pass around questions? Well, you know, this is the episode of winging it. 
I don't know if winging it is appropriate. I shouldn't say wing it. This is the um, candid episode. So can you can you randomly think of some questions for me? What is your favorite restaurant on property right now? Ooh, my gosh. Why do you have to start with a hard one? Because food is like all we do now. It truly is. Uh, three Bridges. Holy smokes. It just came to me. I just had, you have to go with the first thing that pops in your head. What's yours? Olivia's Cafe. If you could sit down for dinner with two Avengers, I'll give you two. Who would they be? Two Avengers. I would do Tony Stark and I'm going to say Natasha. I just think we know so little about her and we know, you know, hopefully this movie will answer a lot about her, but I don't know. You, when you narrowed it to Avengers, I felt very trapped because I would have said Loki. Okay. Well, I, I shouldn't have said Avengers. Anyone from Marvel, would you change your answer now to Loki? Yeah, probably Loki and Nat or Loki and Thor just to, I'm sure like they would have good banter back and forth. Oh, that would be entertaining. I expected you uh, to say like Star-Lord or something. Oh, Star-Lord's a good an- answer too. Or Rocket. So you have quite the, the uh, options. Yeah, now we're having a big party. Yeah. What about you? Um, Obviously, Wanda. Have to go with Wanda. And Cap. If you could put Anything Marvel into the parks right now. Don't worry about the licensing deal with Universal or anything like that. If you could put anything in there, what would you do? Ooh. My, oh, my. I'm not very creative, so this is a hard one. Do you have an answer? I need to think about this for a minute. Um... I do think, you know, those rumors about Wakanda would be really, really cool in Animal Kingdom or somewhere like that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, other than that, I, I feel like an attraction-based stuff, WandaVision would be cool, not Carousel of Progress, like some people said. Have people said that? Yeah, there was a there was like a fan thing. That's trying. actually kind of incredible. No. I mean, obviously, I I'm not for like taking away carousel of progress but like that idea is awesome just because it's through the decades yes wow props to whoever came up with that um i guess what i would say is some sort of so i love the the avengers movies where they're all there together working together so if there could be some sort of not a dark ride because i think that sounds kind of lame but something almost like rise of the resistance-esque where you are on a world saving mission and they're all working together and something crazy is happening and you can have like different tracks where you see different things. That would be awesome. Okay. Over the top, very over the top. If you could go back in time to be at one of the parks opening days, which one would you pick? Disneyland. I I know Disneyland's the obvious answer. I thought you might say Animal Kingdom, though. I My first instinct said Animal Kingdom, and then I was like, if I don't pick Disneyland, I'm an epic failure. 
So you're saying Animal King would be your second choice? Yes. I think I might pick Hollywood Studios. Just because it's the one that is so different than nowadays. Or do you know California did, Adventure. Did they even do anything for like Hollywood Studios? Like anything like over the top? You know, I'm sure they did something. That's a dumb thing to say. But, you know, did they do anything crazy? I, surely. I mean, wouldn't like the Muppets have been there? And I think Roger Rabbit was there. So I think a lot of that old IP that was in the park would have been present on those days. Okay. That's a good one. Your ultimate character meet and greet. One that you will do anything to do. You'll wait in any line to do if you ever see it pop up. Hmm. Who would be super cool? I'm trying to think of someone like larger than life. The other day, this isn't Disney, but the other day we saw a video uh, where they used to have like a Hulk meet and greet. That would be awesome. That's larger than life. What about you? Uh, So mine would either be Sweetums, which they had at the Moonlit Magic one year at um, Hollywood Studios or Roger Rabbit. Or potentially Oswald as well. Because we went to Disneyland or to California Adventure maybe a week after Oswald stopped meeting. Mm-hmm. It was super disappointing. Yeah. Okay. When we do get to go back to Disneyland slash DCA, what's the first thing you want to eat? Plaza and fried chicken. Mm, okay. You? Can I guess? Sure, guess. Corn dog. Corn dog was a good guess. Um, I was also going to say the lobster nachos from Lamplight. Okay, maybe it's an angry dog for me. <laughs> that would be that would be false. Uh, the other, the other one I can think of would be, I'll have one in DCA and one in Disneyland. Okay, Disneyland it's Plaza and fried chicken. In DCA, the Mac and cheese cone from Cozy Cone. That's a solid choice. That's a good one. Do you have a Disneyland one? The corn dog. You have to get it from the little red wagon. Okay. I can get down with that. Mm -hmm. Here's what I don't... Now I'm not remembering very well. Joffrey's is not in Disneyland, is it? So they only have Starbucks and... What else? I don't know. We were not coffee drinkers when we went to Disneyland, which is crazy to say, but I don't know. In case anyone was wondering, too, uh, my sister must be listening to us from next door because she wants to let everyone know that her Disneyland first stop would be Toontown. Not much great food in Toontown, though. That's true. I think when we went to Toontown, I think all the food was closed. Okay, what's the first attraction you want to get on? When we go back to Disneyland. The Incredicoaster. Ooh. We only did it once, and I regret that. I have two that come to mind. Again, I'm picking one from each park. Ooh, okay. Then I'm going to think of Disneyland. Mission Breakout and DCA. See Cosmo the Space Dog? Yeah, I mean, Cosmo the Space Dog is a good byproduct, but I want to see the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, okay. You just want to see Cosmo the Space Dog. 
Correct. Who you didn't even know was a thing whenever we wrote it. And now I'm obsessed with him. And Disneyland, I'd probably say It's a Small World. Oh. I was between It's a Small World and Indiana Jones, and I went with the classic. I'm going to say the Matterhorn. Oh, we've never been on it. It was closed whenever we were there. Exactly. Or the monorail. Or the monorail. Yeah. It's like almost like people mover-esque going through the park. That's fair. That's fair. Any other fast pass around questions you can think of? Oh, man. What Um, is your favorite ride vehicle? Ever? Yeah. We got a big poster of them right behind your head. I know. I just had to turn around to look. I love anything that's very colorful. So I think I might just go with the Peter Pan, like the ships. Okay. I can see that. I like the teacups and I like the doom buggies. I also really like the Expedition Everest trains. Oh, those are cool. That's a good pick. Any other rambling questions you want to answer? Mm, I don't think so. Favorite Disney cocktail? You mainly just get margaritas everywhere we go. So. Yeah, I was going to say, um, okay, I'll say at the boathouse, they have a coconut mojito, which is very good. Okay. I'll say the old-fashioned from the boathouse. The Christmas one? Yes. You have to specify. Christmas old-fashioned, which we did learn from our server they're bringing back in July this year. Christmas in July. And then they'll leave it on there until next spring. But I think that's it. Can you think of any other questions? If you could bring back any closed Disney attraction, what would you bring back? The original Journey into Imagination. Ah, I should have known. What about you? I would want to bring back the, um, like the Disneyland, the sky buckets. I don't know if that's super lame. I just think that's awesome. The ones that went through the Matterhorn? Yes. If not that, I would want to bring back the original Snow White Scary Adventures, like the original in Disneyland, because I'm absolutely kicking myself that we didn't ride it one more time when we were there before they changed it to the happy version. The Enchanted Wish or whatever they're calling it now. Yes, I want to feel the fear that Walt intended. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, anything else? No, that's it. All right, so thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I know it's a little bit of a change-up. We will be back on Thursday for another storytelling episode. I think that one is going to be on Paddlefish in Disney Springs, a restaurant storytelling Mainly the history of that boat. It has a much deeper history than we ever realized and maybe more than you realized as well. So thank you so much for listening. We will chat with you on Thursday. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Make sure you subscribe and leave us an iTunes review if you enjoyed the show. Between episodes, you can find us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland or visit DetourToNeverland.com. We appreciate you letting us be part of your day. See you real soon.